Okay. So this sucks for me and it might suck for you. Okay. It's contagious, but I've had that stupid song from The Sound of Music stuck in my head like for three days solid now. What stupid song are you talking about? Oh, the, the one, the Do Re Mi song. Do, a dear. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the song. No, I don't know like the actual <laughs> lyrics, but I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's been in my head. I on, can I be honest? Like I don't I don't like that movie. You know, I don't think I've ever seen it the whole way through. Yeah. I think we had to watch it. it I must have seen it in uh, elementary school. I remember sitting in our music classroom. Yeah. Yeah. And um I think we had to watch that in West Side Story, which is kind of weird because West Side Story, it's, it, let's just back up here. I'm in elementary school and I'm watching, you know, uh, a, is it, um, sound music take, take place during World War II? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a Nazi me- movie in a way. Well, see. Not really, but. That's my thing with it. Yeah. I thought it was incredibly boring. It's like, because my, uh, my dad would bring it home, like rent it for us to watch, and he really liked it. It was beloved classic, but I was just bored. So how often would just, your dad rent it and bring it home? Well, this is back. He would rent a lot of old movies, and actually a lot of like good movies that I appreciate now. A lot of old World War II movies, but this one, I was just really bored. I never liked it. We watched it in school too, and I just never cared for. It's just a bunch of German kids. Why did Why did you watch? It? Why is that song stuck in your head? Because my wife's singing it to the kid <laughs> but no it's very and it, it was to like a, a seven-year-old there are it takes place in nazi germany and there's nazis on the periphery and i had been trained by indiana jones movies and stuff it was like okay here's a nazi there's gonna be some gunplay this nazi's gonna be like whipped or shot and like okay and it was just like all they did was sing you know nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with a little song and dance and a so, little picnic. I'm gonna guess you're not a big picnic kind of guy. No, I'm not a picnic guy either. Wind picks up, dirt gets in your eye. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's the most Kansas thing you've ever said. Wind dirt picks up, dirt gets in your eye. Because you guys don't have any topsoil in Kansas. It's all that. I'm not even gonna get into that with you. <laughs> what do you mean you're not gonna get no into that with you? One month, we should read a book about each other's state, like a history of Kansas, a history of Colorado, and compare and be like, what state had the, has the greater history? I guess. I've lived here for like 12 years, but... That's that's a long time. What, what do you consider your home? Where's your heart? Where's your heart lay? You know, honestly, because most of my sports teams... Are back in Kansas. I like how Maybe you it's technically school. Kansas. Yeah, well, I still have. I haven't switched any of my loyalties. I've adopted the Nuggets. I like the Nuggets. Yeah. But we don't have a don't basketball team back. A basketball team. Back east. So. Back in. I don't know if you can. It's keep, east. Can, well, it's east. east of where we are right now, but it's yeah. back east. Back east is. Yeah. What would be interesting to do is. Uh, go through people's conceptions of Kansas, like outsiders' perceptions, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's kind of like any other Midwestern state. It's honestly pretty similar to here. I've driven, it, you know, driven through Kansas yeah. uh, many a time going out to Ohio. And, um, yeah, Kansas is Kansas. It's the same thing. It's uh, it's flat. It's straight. Like, the, you're, gonna, you're probably going to be on I-70. But I, I, once you hit Manhattan on I-70, there's the Flint Hills, and it's actually kind of rolling woods. There are, yeah, yeah. So. You say that authoritatively. Yeah, no, there, there are. There I mean, are. There's, you would know more than I would. Yeah. yeah, but it's good. But there's a lot of uh, people from, like, back east, like, from literally back east, kind of assume it's, like, one big small town. I don't think anyone thinks that. No, it happens. Uh, my wife has a friend from New Hampshire, I think. Yeah. And she was talking to her. My wife's friend was talking to my mom, you know, just making chit chat. And my mom's, you know, we're from Kansas. And she was like, oh, do you know the Nelsons? <laughs> it turned out it was like, just, oh, yeah, we know the Nelsons. Like, no, you know, I don't. 
I mean, so there's kind of they think it's a person small. from Kansas and a person from New Hampshire might as well be from different countries. Because, That's what I'm getting. I mean, what what are they going to talk about? Well, lots of other stuff. Syrup, common culture, but corn. Yeah. I have a question for you. Are there more people that, from Nebraska or Oklahoma that live in Kansas? Or is it just most I don't know. I don't know, like, the migratory patterns. Um, if it's, yeah, I don't know. If there's much crossover, people in Topeka yeah. will run up. If they want to, like, go somewhere and do, like, shopping or go to a different town, they can run up to Lincoln, which is, like, three hours. I think most would go to Kansas City, which is, like, an hour and a half. But I do know, like, people run up to Lincoln. And that's a lot quicker than going down to like Tulsa, which is five hours, more of a deal. But yeah. Right. I, I don't know. Just I've never asked you these questions about Kansas before. It's fun times. Well, welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books in Kansas. As always, I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt. Matt, it's February. It's a short month. We're a little bit, bit behind, but that's okay. Because today we're picking our February reads of the month. I say reads of the month because it might not necessarily be a book. It might be a short story. It might be a novella. Uh, yeah. You don't know this, but I got some uh, little February trivia for you here. You ready? Whoa. Yeah, we don't usually do trivia, but it's one of my favorite, favorite things to do. I like trivia. Are you ready? Yeah. February was added to the Roman calendar in seven... 13 BC. Does this, does that surprise you? I was like waiting for a question. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. Okay, I'll continue. Oh, okay. The length of the month changed over time, and at one time it had as few as 23 days. Whoa, that's a short month. That's a very short month. Uh, when Julius Caesar remade the Roman calendar, the month was assigned 28 days during normal years and 29 days during leap years, which occurred every four years. We still have that system to this day. We still have that. That Have you ever considered how weird leap years are? We just have a year where we add. It's kind of weird, but I kind of, I think I get it. Just, I get it. Here's my question. If it's a leap year, is there 366 days a year? Is that stupid? Or is it? Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah, every four years is 366 days. Okay. And you don't age on that day. You don't? Scientifically, yeah, they've proven you don't age. What are you talking about? Your cells kind of take a rest and you regenerate is one of the perks of leap year. Do you see what I have to deal with? This just nonsense about where I kind of half believe you, but then I'm like, what is he talking about? It's halfway plausible. And you say it with a straight face. Think about how much, how many times I've done that and you haven't noticed. And I just let it sit there. I know it's true. I remember in like grade school leap year was just like endlessly fascinating. Cause you're just like, yeah, like what if you were day. born on that day, you would be like four, you know? Yeah. That's like, yeah. Or you'd be like, yeah. Instead of 16, you'd be four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great although i think you just celebrate it march 1st but what about government stuff what does the government do for leap year babies i think it's march 1st i think it's are you sure about that i think so i think you can still get your driver's license um that was like the plot point you ever watch parks and rec yep that was the jerry the uh clumsy guy they all made fun of he yeah, was a leap year. And so the joke was like he was in his 60s and, you know, he was only 12 or whatever. It was his 12th, 16th birthday or whatever. That was a, literally a, uh, an episode. All right, here we go. Um, this doesn't help me at all. It just explains how leap years are every four years. And if you're 25, years old in leap years you would be 100 years old in regular it doesn't even help Let's see here what happens well, are you you're I, looking I want, it up i like, want like government like what does the government say if you were born on a leap i'm pretty sure you still get your driver's license when you're 16 okay i'm pretty sure all the rules hold up 
I mean, so rent a car at 25. Would you celebrate it on February 28th or would you celebrate it on March 1st? I do March 1st. My kid was. Also, when you did have the February 29th every four years, would that birthday be more like a bigger bash? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think I think you'd go all out. But you're still the same age. Time still accumulates. So maybe it's not like you would take when you're 16, you wouldn't be four years old. Because time doesn't just stop accumulating. It's true. You know, because it would just no, no, but it's just a weird thing. So maybe a weird stickler if you were gonna try to go buy a case of beer on your 21st birthday, and the clerk might be like, Oh, wait, you're a leap year, like you come back in four days or five days or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just going to see if the Chinese calendar has leap, a leap day. Oh, yeah. Um, Chinese added a whole leap month approximately every three years. Oh, that's cool. What? It's a leap month. They added a 13th month. Wait, no, this can't be real. What? I don't even know what we're talking about. This segment is uh, Peter reads Wikipedia to, to everybody. <laughs> trying to read it to you. Hey, you know what? This is I, the podcast. We go off in different tangents. And I was just wondering, it came into my head. The Chinese calendar is often different. And, you know, the, chi- the Chinese New Year is, you know, I don't even know when that is. That's a billion plus people go by that calendar. Let's, mm-hmm. Let's see what they're what's going on over there. Or do they have a leap day? No, it's, it's like they a leap month. A leap month. I like that. Kind of like I could get behind that. If you're gonna learn anything from this podcast, know that there's a leap month. Leap month in China. Where there's like, you're sitting there thinking it's normal April, but it's like why would you even call it? <laughs> hey, you just made fun of me for uh wikipedia or i don't even know what it's called well in in china they've been keeping track it's like the year 5000 something isn't it like because they got their own calendar i didn't know they had a leap month i didn't even know that so i don't know leap month year 5000 i know from um being little the chinese restaurant we used to go to after church on sundays it had you know the little placemat that they let kids color on it had the chinese new year I think I was born in the year of the rat. I always liked that. I always liked the animal yeah. thing. I yeah. always thought that was really cool. Different animals in our zodiac. Animals. I want here. How about this? What if they like change the animals for like Western culture, and then maybe well, that's the zodiac, right? Animals you they haven't even heard of. Well, Is that possible. The Chinese did, or we updated it because I'm year of the rat in the Chinese calendar. Gemini. I'm just saying, why don't we know about this leap month? Why is that? I never even heard of that. The language barrier, the cultural barriers. I don't know. Anyway, we should try to get a listenership in China. It's a I big would, market. I'm fascinated. Now I'm like curious about what's going on there. Let's find out. We will, let's not do the research live on air. You know what? We'll come back next time and know when. If you're listening to this, get out your Google and research this because this is interesting. Anyway. Yeah. We're picking February's. We're going to do uh, probably a short story or a novella this month. Um, we will release our January episode of I Claudius here shortly. So if you're looking for that, don't worry. We are reading the book. We have been getting a lot of panicked emails. like Panicked emails, okay? stressed out people. People just being angry with us. But let me just say it's taken long because it's very good. I really like it. Or a lot. It's a so. leap month this year, and we get two months to do it. We're gonna find it next time. We're gonna find out when the leap month is, and make a whole thing of it, and do like an extra special leap. It's Are like an extra level. Set? Yeah. If you ever played Mario Brothers on the Super Nintendo or regular Nintendo, I've it's never, like a nope. special. Ex- you didn't? No. It doesn't surprise me. You grew up in like a weird, different dimension without cartoons and muppets and your normal childhood movies you know i've never seen them i've never heard of it is he really super i don't know i met one guy named mario once i worked with him i'm fairly certain he's not gonna listen to this but yeah <laughs> why, why is that so funny i think it's i don't know mario <laughs> i was trying to make a point of it just being like a secret extra level chinese leap year i knew a guy named mario once that's cool that's cool. That's I'll all I'll say. That. That's all I'll say. 
My brother was Luigi for Halloween. I thought you were going to say your brother's middle name was Mario. It's Luigi. Is Luigi the brother? I think they're brothers, Mario and Luigi. Okay. <laughs> I've been called princess before. You have been? Yeah. Isn't there a princess in the... That's the connection. Okay. I was you like, I don't it. know what you're talking you about. You got that. it. Princess Toadstool. Uh, man. Anyway. Just All like, right. Get you updated on pop culture. Whew. Okay. February. Book club selection. Uh, if you've never listened to us before, we nominate, uh, each of us nominate three uh, books. Um, we kind of debate it, uh, go back and forth, and then we select a book that we'll read for that month. Um, and like I said, we're probably going to do a short story or, or a novella this month. Just something short, a little shorter than normal. Yes. Um, in celebration of February being in celebration special. of one of the great uh, months of the year. It's one of the better months. It's kind of forgotten. It's but it's a solid month. Short to the point. You know, yeah. packs a hefty punch. Good old February. Good old February. Uh, do you want to start with your first? Was, I'll go. This one I bought for the cover. I'm nominating it, frankly, for the cover. It's a, it's a novel. It's shorter. The cover's great. Show me the cover. It is by Kingsley Amos. It's called One Fat Englishman. The cover is a guy with hairy chest and no shirt on. That's a it's one of the few times I've ever seen myself represented on a book cover. Most dudes on that, book covers are, are like, when they actually show pictures of people, it's handsome, swashbuckling yeah. dudes on romance novels. But this, I bought because like, oh, that's me. It could very well be me. Look at the Goodreads cover for One Fat Englishman is... Um, one, but I think the edition you have there looks like it's from the uh, 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, from the you know anything about this book? Yeah, so it's Kingsley Amos's... Um, yeah, he's the guy who wrote Lucky Jim, Martin Amos's dad. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, it's just about Rajo, Roger Micheladin. Micheladin, and I say it. He's just a fat, grumpy British publisher, a lapsed Catholic, who basically comes to America and is very cranky and is just, it's a, just a cranky, funny British person's take on America because he looks down on everything. That kind of sounds like something I would like to read, actually. Bitter British humor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've never read Kingsley Amos. I think I nominated, what did I nominate? Lucky Jim. Lucky Jim. I nominated Lucky Jim. This is, but it's, you know, it's a kind of book that offends some people. I was looking at re reviews on Goodreads. They're like, I don't like this man at all. But, you know. Is that um, the point? That's, that is the point. I just looked it up on Amazon and the first reviewer says nonstop nonsense. One star. Yeah. He's supposed to be a terrible. So this is from the New York review of books. The uh, it's the, uh, those editions you really like. There's a version. Yeah. New uh, the yeah. New York review of books. I saw that. The hero of one fat Englishman, a literary publisher in lapsed Catholic escaped from the pages of Graham green to the campus of Budweiser College in Provencal, Pennsylvania, is a philandering, drunken, bigoted, and very, very fat. Not to mention in a state of continuous spluttering rage against everything. So, you know, that sort of thing. And it's very, you know, my little payback edition is like 170 pages. Okay. Funny. Should breeze by. That's my longest nomination, but I think if you were down, that, that could be kind of fun. That sounds kind of fun, actually. Um, all right, my first nomination. Uh, it's a, I would say a novella. It's part of a longer series. Um, mostly of them, mostly in the, in the series, they are novellas. I think there's one novel. It is the Murderbot series. And the first novella or novel is All Systems Read by Martha Wells. Murderbot? Is this anime? Is this manga? This is, uh, is sci-fi. So all my selections are sci-fi related. I just want to point that. So unexpected. I know. I we had. I don't. I was expecting like literary Thomas Mann short story type stuff. You know, I was trying to think because I was like, you know what? I 
I had some ideas about what my theme was going to be. I was going to do like maybe some civil war um, short stories or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, you know what? Sci-fi because sci-fi sometimes um, they're often very long books or whatever, but maybe like a short story or a novella. Let's see what um, okay. I'm kind of curious because I've never read one before. But anyway, um, this series, uh, this first one came out in 2017. It is a series about an artificial construct designed as a security unit, which manages to override its governor module, thus enabling it to develop independence, which it primarily uses to watch soap operas. As it spends more time with caring humans, it starts developing human feelings, which it finds inconvenient. It is, I think there are six or seven entries into this series. And I think this first one's about 150 pages. Okay. Right. So, uh, Sci-fi, it won uh, the 2018 Hugo Award for Best Novella. It won the 2018 Nebula Award for Best Novella, the 2018 Alex Award, and the 2018 Locus Award. I'm not sure what all those awards are, but... Yeah. It won They're some. prestigious. I've heard of the Hugo and Nebula. So, okay, that's big time. Yeah. And pretty recent, too, 2018. <laughs> uh 2017 okay yeah. yeah i think you get it on kindle for like a couple bucks but yeah okay martha wells all systems red cool cool okay wow. second nomination all right you bear with me this is kind of a um a conceit an artistic conceit or motif or whatever mm -hmm. uh, count of monte cristo kind of put me in the mind of it yep realize i've never read um this Sherlock Holmes stories, basically. Ooh. I've read, I've dipped in and out, you know, a good deal over my life, but I've never really read them all. And I kind of was thinking about, there's a fascinating dynamic with um, Arthur Conan Doyle. Yep. Kind of how he did those stories. Like he wrote them and they were insanely popular, like more popular than he imagined they would be. And they got so popular and people bothered him about him so much he kind of got sick of it he oh, got really? sick of black homes yeah and so he killed him off a story called um the final problem it's really? the famous one if you ever seen the show it's the reichenbach falls like uh okay. he he in that story he basically makes sherlock holmes fight with moriarty and in the story sherlock holmes falls to his death and everybody thinks he's dead and that was supposed to be the last like he wanted to kill off sherlock holmes right mm -hmm. And so people were so like there were stories like in London when people finally read it because it was serialized in the Strand, um, like the Strand magazine barely survived. There are reports of like people wearing armbands, like black armbands, like they're in mourning huh. for this fictional character. But Conan Doyle just got so sick of him. <laughs> like I'm killing this guy <laughs> off. And he did. I think it was it was a couple of years to 10 years where he just left him dead and then finally there was enough public pressure i don't know if he needed money or just kind of started by he's like all right fine i'm gonna have to bring this guy back and so he wrote i did not know this until recently he wrote the hound of the baskervilles after he killed him up but the uh the story takes place before he you know chronologically gotcha, gotcha. So, and then he brought sherlock holmes back in a story called the adventure of the empty house and is like because he really, in the final problem, he meant to kill Sherlock Holmes off. Like in Conan Doyle's mind, Sherlock Holmes is dead. I'm done with him. Really? So he had to come back and he started re-serializing in the Strand. with, And so he kind of had to kind of make up like, okay, no, here's how he really survived. And he faked his death and all that. Huh. So what I propose, yeah, if you choose this, we would read the final problem, that last, the short story where he kills off Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And then we would read... The Adventure of the Empty House. So we'd read two Sherlock Holmes stories, the story where he was killed off and the story where he was brought back to life. Ooh. So just two little Sherlock Holmes mysteries. Okay. That's, it's almost like the history of that is, you know. And we would be, we would delve into that when we do the episode, which I think that's as fun as anything. I, I don't know. I really like the idea. So <laughs> it's the final process. And yep. the adventure of the empty house. The empty house, back to back. Just two little 30-page short stories, maybe 60 total. Okay. 
but we kind of like delve into like, okay, how do you, did he bring him back to life in a plausible way? I, I love the notion of him just being, he's like, I'm done with this, you people. And then he's finally like, ah, fine. He's accosted every day on the street for years and years. And he's just like, oh, yeah, fine, fine. I'll bring him back. I'll make up something about how he didn't really die. And It's almost like uh, the beginning of fan service, you know, with like TV shows and whatnot, how they yeah. fans kind of dictate how a show ends or whatever. Yep. It's when, and there's this whole fascinating, uh, in The New Yorker, uh, David Grant wrote a really fascinating essay about there's like a sherlock holmes society oh, like yeah. people serious people doctors lawyers people who who consider themselves having a scientific mindset are it's like uh the, oh, it's, what's it called the role the people who dress up at super as superheroes at comic-con oh it's like uh, that for serious professionals what the hell is that called Cos cosplay cosplay it's like but there's a society of that for like well-to-do middle-class professionals who treat the Sherlock Holmes stories as real. They call, they refer, there's a canon. Yeah. Conan Doyle's work is canon. And all the other fan fiction is kind of, you know, the, the Gnostic gospels or whatever they call them. And uh, they, they refer to Watson as the his editor, but they treat it as like real and they'll dress up and then they're fascinated. Are you suggesting we do this? No, what I like, I love the stories. I think they're fun, but I love, there's also kind of a dichotomy with that. People love the character so much because he's so scientific and rational, but Arthur Conan Doyle, especially later on in his life, mm. got into like the occult and mysticism. And he believed in like, there was a realm of the fairy and you know, spirits and nymphs and whatever were alive in the woods and stuff. So I love that he created this character who is totally rational and based on science that scientists a hundred years later almost worship. Yeah. And then the guy himself is just like, Hey, they're fun stories. He got sick of writing them, you know, and, and it's funny to me how people are like, Oh, how does, how does he do like talking about Sherlock Holmes? How, how, like, how does he solve these mysteries? It's like, well, they're fake and Conan Doyle can just kind of like, make them up i feel like this is ripe for like a uh, tv show or movie where it's like the movie is sir arthur conan doyle like writing these sherlock holmes stories and people are like fascinated or whatever yeah and they want more of it and he's just sort of like eh. it's sort of like your creation yeah. is like outgrown you, you or whatever and yeah yeah create a it's kind of a funny problem to have like how does he do it people ask you about your fictional character like and you're like because they're scripted yeah they're kind of problems i make it to where the character knows everything it wouldn't happen in real life but they're fun to read you know so i okay i don't know that could be i like i like the, i like the you know? conceit there yeah, yeah so. um should i do my second one yeah this one i don't really know a whole lot about um i'm interested more in the author it's very short it's a very short story short story so I don't know if we would probably pick this or whatever. I think it's like just a handful of pages. Um, it is by Ursula K. Le Guin. Ooh, I like her. I've never read her. And I'm, I've, I'm kind of been interested in, in reading her. And the short story is called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that last word. How do you spell it? O-M-E-L-A-S. Okay. Um, it's described as being deliberately both vague with vivid descriptions. Uh, the narrator depicts a summer festival in the utopian city of Omelas, whose prosperity, prosperity depends on the perpetual misery of a single child. It won the Hugo Award for Best Short Story in 1974. And kind of doing some research about science fiction short stories, this one kind of popped up in a couple of different articles and, and lists and whatnot. Um, maybe something to delve into sort of um considering it's both vague and vivid i thought that was kind of like interesting concept like you know yeah um but more so the author um i, I like her i read the wizard of Earthsea and some other short stories she's very good okay very good yeah right. she has a couple of big the earth sea series and i think she has one other series or am i mm -hmm. she wrote a lot the, yeah. the wizard of Earthsea are like her big ones I've only read the first one, but it's really I didn't know you read that. So I was just kind of put that out there as sort of a... Wizard of... I haven't read the short story. I read okay. The Wizard of Earthsea. 
You could. I'd be down. How many pages is it? It's it's very short. Very short. It's like six pages or something. Well, um, I just I don't know. I just kind of want to throw out her name as maybe maybe a future project of ours. Um, I don't know. But as far as science fiction or fantasy or whatever, okay, an author. uh, That was kind of like my one. I just kind of want to see. Okay. See that's. I don't know, yeah, but good choice. I don't really know too much about it just because it's so short that you probably can't um, describe what happens <laughs> without yeah. telling the whole plot. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, your third nomination. All right, this one. I was gonna, for some reason, I had in my head I was gonna save it for Halloween, mm-hmm. but it also works funnily enough on Valent for like Valentine's Day. Oh, geez. It's a, uh, have you ever, it's by P.G. Woodhouse. It's called Honeysuckle Cottage. It is, he considered it one of his best stories. Um, uh, Wittgenstein, Wittgenstein, famous philosopher. He said it was the funniest thing he's ever read, but it's, uh, it's really good. It's probably like, I don't know, 30 pages, not that long. Um it's like a reverse haunting novel like um this hard-boiled mystery author inherits a cottage in the woods from his aunt who is a romance author (laughs) i mean the premise of the story is basically the house is haunted by the spirit of romance and so the guy's trying to write his hard-boiled mystery and he keeps you know he can't help but add like a love interest and he's very annoyed by it it, you know whatever my description like with trying to describe Woodhouse isn't doing it justice but that's yeah. the basic gist it's hilarious be a good starting point for you for I know Woodhouse. I haven't read any Woodhouse it's really funny Honeysuckle Cottage it's is good nice it looks like there's some adaptations too it. there's uh movies uh it looks like a radio thing and then okay. yeah a film actually no I didn't know that I'm, uh oh, wait hold on it was canceled. <laughs> it was Before gonna they start, made it? Or? Yeah, I was going to start Val Kilmer. Huh. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Guest was directing it. Ooh. It was canceled in October 1990, uh, shortly before it was supposed to start. That's a bummer. Yeah. Have, Christopher Guest is... We've my, The wife and I have been on a little Christopher Guest kick. Really? Boston show and Waiting for Guffman and The Mighty Wind. Yeah. I've seen... <sighs> I don't think I've seen a mighty win. Yeah. It's best in show. Yeah. What's the other one they did? Uh, Waiting for Guffman. I haven't seen that one. Oh, that's good. That's, yeah. It's, it's, Very, it's Final Tap. No, yeah. He yeah, didn't yeah. direct that, but it's that premise kind of improvised. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Man. All right. Guest. Try to get Christopher Guest on. Probably. Ask about how that would have looked. Like what happened with your honeysuckle cottage adaptation? Uh, my final nomination. Um, it's from 1956 science fiction. Um, has a couple famous adaptations. Okay. It is the Minority Report by Philip K. Dick. Okay. Uh, I think we're all kind of familiar with what the premise is here. Precogs. Uh, kind of three uh, mutants foresee all crimes in the future. And one of these people, John Anderton, um, was predicted to, to commit uh, a crime. He kind of has to, uh, the story takes off from there. There was a 2015 TV show I did not know about, hmm. but uh, it's a short novella. Maybe, um, I think, and see how long it was. I thought it was like about a hundred pages, but that might not be right. And but Tom yeah, Cruise. the Tom Cruise, yeah, two thousand two. I really liked the movie. It's been a while. Since Remember, I saw it in the theater. Yeah. We can watch the movie too. Just, are you just saying we just kind of watch the movie and not read the short story? I mean, I might do that. Let's see, if you, see if you notice. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's uh, so my three nominations are uh, All Systems Red by Martha Wells, it's uh, first in the uh, Murderbot series. 
uh, the Minority Report by Philip K. Dick, and The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas by Ursula K. Le Guin. Matt, Matt has One Fat Englishman by Kingsley Amos, um, a Sherlock Holmes tandem of The Final Problem and The Adventure of the Empty House, and then you have The Honeysuckle Cottage by P.G. Woodhouse. What are your initial thoughts here? Minority Report's tempting. Okay. I've never read it, but I like Philip K. Dick. You know what else sprang to mind? A sort of compromise? Yeah. We could do the Ursula Le Guin one and one of my short stories, whatever's appealing, either the Sherlock Holmes or the Woodhouse. Could probably do both since Ursula Le Guin's so short. You want to just do the short stories? <laughs> All of them? Well, let's see. I, I mean, I, we could break them up. Man. I mean, what's the theme there, though? We have science fiction. We have two Sherlock Holmes and P.G. Woodhouse. Yeah. Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. Yeah, split them up. We could find a theme, too. There's mystery. There's haunted haunting humor okay sci-fi and uh sci-fi just kind of i don't know what the, yeah. i don't know what which appealed if we okay if we're doing it just we're only gonna do one which of my three um i'm kind of interested in the whole sherlock holmes idea of he wants to kill off this character i think there's that's a not really a possibility because it's so popular and then people are in and yeah, he basically kind of had to backtrack it. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're pretty good stories too. I don't, they're not like half assed or anything. I think they're, the stories hold up. But let's, that's like the, let's do the Sherlock Holmes. So the okay. final problem in the adventure of, of, of the empty house. Um, okay. Do you want to do more? I mean, we could at least read, I'd be curious about the Ursula Le Guin one. Let's, just the question. let's also do uh, Ursula uh, Le Guin. Okay. That one, that I know, is very short. It's It will take you 20 minutes to read. Okay. So let's do that. Let's do the Sherlock Holmes. We'll kind of split up the episode when we do this for, like, sure. kind of the, the idea behind Sir Arthur Conan Doyle having to restart a series he didn't really want to keep going on with. And then a... Um, science fiction short story classic okay you like that i, I do mean, i do for february the shortest of all months we'll do short stories short stories Perfect. Perfect. okay i'm usually not a big short stories fan have i told you this you know uh a literary short stories bore me to tears but i actually like pretty much what i nominated i like uh genre short stories like I could do a horror or mystery or something like concise. I, I read, um, God, I can't remember the author's name. It was a big hit. Um, Ted Chang, maybe is, is his name. It's kind of science fiction short, short stories. And they just fell flat with me. But they yeah. were like praised and um, they're on all these lists of like great short stories and science fiction and whatnot. And these came out. I think he has two collections and uh the one i read i was just like i don't know nothing kind of kind of stood out as like being super memorable or it was, it was like well uh well written and whatnot but it was uh, i was kind of expecting more to be like blown away wasn't blown away so you know who's good mm-hmm. is uh neil gaiman he's good short stories he- like, Neil Gaiman, I read American Gods, and then yeah, you didn't like, it, but that's one. Like yeah, but his short stories are good. Joe I Hill, want, too. Joe Hill, kind of writes horror. I always feel like I should give uh, Neil Gaiman another chance. You should, and maybe don't even do American Gods because you. I think you. Oh, have to I'm know. not going to read American Gods again. No way. You have to know a little bit about the myths and stuff for how. To, but his other stuff, like Neverwhere, is good. Stardust. His short story collections are fun. Actually, now that we're doing this, like, I, I got all these, like, oh, I could have nominated, like, 20 other things, but. By Neil yeah. Gaiman? Neil Gaiman, Joe Hill, 
those are the type of short stories I like. Yeah, I've never read Joe Hill. Stuff. Joe Hill's good. You like Joe Hill a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, but genre stuff like that where you can have a little like there's a twist or something at the end, like out. No, I agree. Um, and we'll talk about this on an episode coming up in a couple of weeks. But I read a short story collection by um, Kevin Barry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is. Uh, title is kind of weird it's like that old country music i think is what the title is but that was a short story collection that i really liked a lot um but it's it's hit or miss it's sort of yeah yeah i don't it's, a lot of it has to do with is there a point <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes i feel like i read a short story i'm like i what was i supposed to take from that i don't know sometimes and it's, it's so boring yeah and it's yeah. uh it's really dry and not um but yeah, I, I like a little bit of humor or maybe even violence in my short stories to kind of keep it. Yeah. Uh, interesting. interesting so. Woodhouse's short stories are great. They're good. He's got a bunch. Oh, Shirley Jackson, too. I read a collection of hers. I was thinking about the lottery. That's The a lottery would have been perfect. Yeah, that's a famous um, short story. That's a good one. But and the, I, it was called The Lottery and Other Stories. I read and they're all like all her short stories are good just a little like little you know just how creepy and good haunting a hill house was mm -hmm. like that in miniature just like she's very good she's just like little little hints some of them weren't even creepy they were just kind of sad just like a vague like oh that's a, you know i do i do enjoy a sadness in my short story like a and they're not all just some of them there's one one that the, the one that like stuck with me the most was just there's this kid who's really into books and you can tell he's kind of a lonely kid and he's in a bookshop and he really has his eye on this rare expensive book and you know like it's kind of pricey and the owner knows he can't afford it and him and the owner are kind of friends and you know you're kind of like oh cool is this kid gonna get this book but then this like kind of well-to-do like poser type guy and his wife come in and the kid is so he's like like his enthusiasm basically talks the, he's like, oh, I really like this book and stuff. And the kid's all sweet innocence. Just, he basically convinces the well-to-do couple who you know aren't gonna read it. They're just gonna put it on the shelves for show. He talks them into buying it and the kid can't get it. Mm. I basically just ruined the story, but it's just like, it's very, it's like, oh, that's a bump. <laughs> like that sucks. But that's, that's a short story. Really but weird. I think a short story should also like entertain, which I think is often forgotten. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be like, um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like maybe a lit thick uh, short stories or whatever are very like, what is well, like, what is like, what is this? This yeah. isn't entertaining. I don't really know what the po the point is. Nope. I think that is a trap that authors can fall into, where you're like, no, what? But I don't know. you can tell that yeah, they they do it because it seems like important literary people should have a short story collection, but. They're afraid to be labeled genre, so nothing exciting can happen. You just gotta like, here's a sad guy going about his day, and it's rainy outside, and that's basically, you know, forty pages of. And then the the title's called Cats and Dogs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, one of the one of the literary ones I actually kind of enjoyed. Uh, Martin Amos actually has got a, had a little short story about where uh, the conceit was basically poets are really famous and make a lot of money like poetry sells really well and it's from the point of view of a screenwriter who screenwriting is kind of a niche avant-garde artsy thing yeah, yeah. or struggling screenwriter is jealous of all the the best-selling poets so but that's funny but There's, that's funny yeah right? that's so like, yeah that's that, entertaining that, yeah yeah i enjoyed that one so okay no yeah yeah so we're going to be reading sherlock holmes Two Sherlock Holmes stories. And Ursula K. Le Guin. Yeah. And just so you have that short story, again, it is called The Goodbye One. Goodbye to Omelets. What? Goodbye to Omelets. Good. No, The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas. Let me see. I have some of her collections. Let me, I'll track it down. It, I saw some uh, kind of like tidbit on this short story. It's like, how did you come up with it? And she apparently the Omelas is she looked at a um, like a sign, like a road sign, like in her rear view mirror. And it's, it was oh like my. for Salem. Oh. 
in reverse. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, she's kind of funny. I like that. So that stood out to me. Yeah. Kind of with the yeah. Good. I'm excited to read her. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, Matt, did you have? I think you had a uh, shout out, right? Well, a shout out. I was on. Uh, I did an interview like a month ago, but she edited it and finally released it. There's a podcast I actually really like called Oh My Word, oh, Esther my word. Tannenbaum. Okay. Um, she's actually an author. She's also kind of got a, a podcast she does with her co-host, and they have about every week or so like a bonus episode where they interview somebody. Yeah. So I am bonus episode forty nine point five. Heck on, yeah. On Oh My Word podcast. It's cool. Just got what do you guys talk about? Uh, just books and stuff. What it's like. She has some kind of good questions about you know, what it's like to have a, like a book podcast. And uh, it was fun. She's got the thing she asked every guest is what is something that like publishers do that you hate and you wish they'd stop doing? And what's something that you actually like? I'm, I'm proud of my, I won't say I'm here because have to go check out her podcast but i'm proud of my answers there one thing that i hate i would say the price of books the like hardcovers new ones yeah or that they should publish books books in both hardcover and paperbacks when they're new released i don't understand why there's that huge gap like a year or so they try to get you for like all the eager people who'll, who'll buy it no matter what that's that's when you price it at like 35 bucks because i can't imagine the, the the cost difference is that great no i think there it's must just, be a reason why they publish in hardcover first just prestige you're capitalizing on the people who are like oh sweet my favorite thing publishers do is i love a good author photo keep that up <laughs> keep it up uh, anything else, Matt? No, that's about it. Um, yeah, check out Oh My Word podcast. It's on all like Spotify, Google. Oh, YouTube actually. Oh, really? A video of it, but the audio is on YouTube. So nice. She's on Instagram. Oh My Word. So yeah. Cool. Oh, I think I covered it pretty well. You can't tell, but like that was, I, it was, I was on the phone. So I yeah. do it up in the study and Wesley, the dog was with me and I was wearing a long sleeve thermal and he really, uh, he got a hold of that thermal. It was very exciting to him. And he like, was just like thrashing it around like a dead rabbit. And he got a hold of my finger. Like didn't break the skin, but my finger was caught in a dog's teeth and I'm trying to talk about books. And I like, he, and I'm trying not to just yell, Wesley's talent. It's, it's, uh, but I like, he wrestled me to the ground basically. And I think, I don't think you can kind of tell that I'm in a lot of pain wrestling with my dog as I'm talking about. He's, check a, it out. he's a lunatic. He gets excited by people's voices. No, he's a lunatic. Yeah. I love him. I love him. He's a lunatic. That's basically, yeah, that's his whole deal. That's his essence. If he was a human being, I mean. God, who would he be? That's a project for another. Yeah, he like, would like sure. nothing malicious, but he would spend a night in jail sometime in his life. He's the guy. Like, he you wouldn't know, do it on purpose or whatever, but he would be like, you know what? I just dug up all your flowers because I just there was a girl I liked. I he just can't. He just can't help himself. He can't help himself. He's just an idiot. It's like the guy in a heist movie, you know, like. Uh, couple a group of dudes gets together and pulls a heist and they actually get away with it and yeah. like the wise ringleader is like okay everybody lay low for six months don't start spending all this money they'll we'll, we got away with it but they'll catch us if we show up with all this fancy stuff wesley is the guy who the next day shows up in like a fur coat and a cadillac just you just don't you don't learn do you and he's just like what what he just doesn't get it i guess that would be that's Wesley for you. That, that's Wesley. Well, you can see pictures of Wesley on our Instagram account where we uh, post pictures of books and, and our dogs and whatnot. So if you're curious about Wesley, head on over there. You can also follow us on Twitter uh, where you have to be nice to us if you're going to uh, engage with us. If not, we will... Uh, 
put you on the list of mean people on the internet. Let's see, we're about to we're about to blow Twitter up. Blow Twitter up. Um, Get into well, it, Brooklyn literary scene. Yes. Uh, as far as a uh, upcoming episode about fake accounts, which should be out uh, fairly soon here. Um, actually, by the time you listen to this, it will be out. Uh, we're also on Goodreads, where I'll be uh, writing up some short reviews of, of some new uh, fiction novels I've read recently and giving you my take on those. You used to, and you have to do Piranesi too. That's been sitting there for a while. You have to, can you do Piranesi? You want me to do it? Yeah, I think you would, you're more clever than I am. Well, yeah, that's true. So, and that's a clever book. So I'm like, let's, let's have the clever person do it. Okay. Yeah. But we'll, yeah. That's one of our more popular episodes too, Piranesi, which we did about Suzanne Clark. Uh, We're also on Ko-Fi. Yeah. Where you can uh, donate to uh, help out our podcast in a monetary uh, amount. Any little Basically, bit helps. Just throwing change into the bucket. Yeah. We're busting. 20, 20 cents we'll take. Uh, and then uh, we also have a Patreon account, which we're excited about and hope to be releasing some new content on uh, probably starting around March. Um, I think we talked about doing some special like theme stuff which we'll work on and we'll drop those behind there but we're also thinking kind of doing another separate patreon thing like kind of like what we did just now what we do every month but for patrons and then patrons get a vote like a say what we read and you can nominate stuff kind of make it interactive so that that's actually exciting you can make us read whatever you want you can nominate stuff nominate you know well, input. Yeah. Uh, we also have an email account, uh, willbebooks at gmail.com. Um, make fun of us there or tell us what you're reading. Um, or if you've read any of our uh, books that we nominated here, let us know uh, your opinions on that. If you know anything about Chinese leap year, Chinese, is- no, leap month. Leap month. Leap month. If you know anything about Chinese leap month or anything with the Chinese calendar, let us know. I think we're fascinated. We should probably read a book about it. It's going to be my new thing. Yeah. What's your going to be? Okay. Looking into Chinese Leap Month, taking advantage of that extra time. It's kind of like how Arizona has the time zone, but they don't, they don't do the time zone. They so don't they do daylight like save. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like that, kind of. Not really. Or like a weird pocket in the fourth dimension. Sneak away. And it's like, maybe that's why you've never heard of it because it's not in our third dimension. What if you were traveling to China and they were like, and guess what? We have our new uh, leap month coming up. And you would just be like, what? This isn't in the guidebook. The month of the rooster. And it's like, and you come back and you haven't aged at all. It's the greatest month ever. Uh, I want to look into it. Email us if you know anything about it. Uh, We will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening.